Hello everyone and welcome to From the Archives. This podcast goes back to many sermons preached over many years. We thought we'd bring them from the past here into the present so you can enjoy some of the messages that came before. Take a listen to what we have tonight. Fourteenth question that came from our kids, written down, submitted, was this. What is the difference between a Catholic and a Christian? Here we go. It's going to get ugly now. So, guys, we're going to tackle this, not because I particularly like it, but because the kids ask, and when the kids ask, the kids receive. So, what does that word mean? Let's look at and break it down tonight. First, okay, Catholic. The word is from the scriptures. It means universal. So, basically, the global body of Christ, composed of believers from every people, tribe, and nation, are the church Catholic. That's a small c, because the word means universal. The body of Christ spread throughout the earth. We are all the church Catholic, but we are not the Catholic church. So we need to start right there and say, why do we say that we are the church Catholic? Real simple. John 1.12. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's where it all comes down to. The reason why we have this word appearing in text, in scripture, in history is this. Somehow people used to believe that that the Greek church was different than the Jewish church. And that the church over here in this country was somehow different than the church over there in that country. Like saying the church in America and the church in Korea and the church in China and the church in the Philippines are all different. No, they're not. They are all one united universal body belonging to Christ and under the authority of Christ. Now understand that. If we're going to deal with this question of Catholicism and Christianity, it's going to come down to a couple prime subjects. Let me take you to them tonight, and God willing, we'll understand it when we get done. So we know what the word means. Catholic means universal, right? Small c, Catholic, means universal. What does the Roman Catholic Church mean? The Roman Catholic Church is not the little c. It is a denomination. Y'all know what a denomination is, right? We are a Southern Baptist Church. That's a denomination. Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Catholics, denominations. Definition of a denomination is real simple. A denomination is a group of people who hold like faith and practice. It means they have a commonly agreed upon way of doing things, a commonly agreed upon way of thinking about certain subjects. So, the Catholic Church has several strong views. I want to deal with two of them tonight. The two things that most separate traditional Catholic teaching from what we would be accustomed to in this church is first, its view of authority. This is from a couple papers which I have drafted out and also my handy dandy Catholic study Bible given to me by Father Bob. Father Bob was a friend of mine back in Dillon and uh, he was actually a closet Lutheran so he and I got along real well. Father Bob gave me a Catholic study Bible and a catechism of the Catholic Church. Not that he thought I was going to convert because I wasn't leaving my wife for nothing. Roman Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is under the authority of the Pope, who is God's representative on earth. It, meaning the Church's authority, is divided between the Bible and Church teachings. Now this is what the Catholic Bible says. I'm not making it up. This is what it says. The Catholic Church does not restrict divine revelation to the biblical text. Against the Protestant Reformation slogan of Scripture alone, or sola scripturae, the Catholic theologians insisted on Scripture and tradition. 
The term tradition recognizes the fact that the living reality of the church has the task of preserving the gospel and applying it to new situations. So Catholic Christianity is not simply a religion of the book. Okay, right here on this, we can see that between Catholics and what we will call Protestants or traditional Christianity, there's a huge gulf. How many authorities do we have in this church? One, it is the Bible. It is not the pastor or pastors. It is not the deacons. The sole authority is the Word of God as clearly presented. That is why in the early Catholic Church, a church member was not allowed to own a Bible because it was felt that the average man was not intelligent enough to read and understand the Word of God. Now that's why they went and did the Mass in Latin, because nobody understood Latin. So they would get up there and say the Mass in Latin, you would stand up, sit down, kneel down, cross yourself, eat the biscuit and juice, and hit the road. Now that's a little sacrilegious, but that's exactly what it was. You didn't know what you were doing. Even in this country, in the 50s, if you were an average person going to a Catholic church, you did not know what you were doing. You only knew that's what you were supposed to do to please God. So, the authority is divided between the biblical teachings and the teachings of the church. One more thing. A key expression in our understanding of the Bible is that truth which God, for the sake of our salvation, wished to see confided to the sacred scriptures. Without explicitly embracing the theory of limited inerrancy, you'll find that the Catholic Church does teach a form of limited inerrancy. The Bible is not correct in all things, only in matters of your salvation. Because we want to prevent any problems such as accusations of scientific and historical error. The Catholic Church will concede that the Bible, your Bible, has historical errors in it. And it has scientific errors in it. Do you see a problem already? If our authority is the Word of God, and the Word of God is 100% true and correct in all things, in all matters, at all times, and the Catholic Church says, well, the Bible is only correct in issues that relate to your salvation, but not in science and other types of things. We already have a problem with what we actually believe to be the Word of God. But let's go on. Can we go on to Galatians 1, 9 through 10? Galatians 1, 9 through 10. I want you to look at this. because This is very important when dealing with people from any church. I don't care if they go to a Baptist church or if they go to the local Korean Presbyterian church. You need to look at this because when you talk to anyone who says that they are a Christian or a believer, you need to make sure that we are of one accord on this scripture. Galatians 1, 9 and 10. You guys ready for this one? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant for Christ. Here's the whole thing. If anyone preaches any other gospel than that which you have received, let him be accursed. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. Now the good news is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? Can we agree on what John 3.16 says? Not if you're Catholic. John 3.16 does not help Catholics. Let me show you why. I, I agonized over doing this because for me this is like pulling teeth. I have very good friends who are Catholics. 
but you need to understand what the official teaching of the Catholic Church is so that you know when you talk to a friend who is Catholic that you two guys are saying words like Jesus and God and salvation and church, but you mean radically different things by those words. Okay, let's go into this next statement. You the next one? The Catholic Church is the channel of saving grace through its sacraments. Many Catholics would say that there is no salvation outside of the church. And in fact, if you read the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, there is no salvation period outside the saving grace of the Catholic Church. You know what that means? All y'all's damned and going to hell. Just in case you didn't know that. By the way, since I'm a pastor leading you into error, I'm going first. So y'all going right along with me. Here we go. I know what you're going to ask yourself. What is a sacrament? What is a sacrament? I've never heard of these things. Roman Catholic Church has seven sacraments. <clears throat> these sacraments are the signs of Christ's work. The effectiveness of Christ's continuing work in his church is not dependent upon man, but upon the sacraments. A sacrament properly administered in the way established by Christ and with proper intention gives the grace that it signifies. The power of Christ lays in these seven sacraments. Now what that means is God's grace does not come to you through faith in Jesus Christ. God's grace comes to you when you participate in the seven activities of the Catholic Church. Do you know why children are baptized as infants in the Catholic Church? Oh, you say you don't. Let me tell you why. Any child who dies before baptism goes to hell. Any child born mentally incompetent who dies before they're baptized goes to hell. Any person at all, irregardless of age, goes to hell if they are not baptized as an infant. So baptism is the very first sacrament. It bestows saving grace. Not faith in Jesus. Baptism saves you when you are a child or if you are a person born who's mentally incompetent. The next saving grace is penance and reconciliation. Now this has to be done to a priest. You have to confess your sin to him and then he can help you out. This is why. The institutes of the sacraments were instituted by Christ and given to the church to administer. They are necessary for all salvation. That means if a priest does not hear your confession, it doesn't count. Therefore, you don't receive that saving grace of confessing. You can't confess your sin to God. It doesn't count. You have to do it to a priest in order for it to count. Now, this is not my teaching. Catholic Church, if you don't borrow my Bible, feel free. I've been through it. I know what it says. So let's take a look at this. So many Catholics would say that there is no salvation apart from the church. And this is what it says. Not all are equally qualified to administer the sacraments because all sacraments are necessary for salvation. Who does this remind us of in the scriptures? It reminds me of the Judaizers. What did the Judaizers say? Hey, you Gentiles, we're so happy you believe in our Messiah. Now go get circumcised and keep the law of Moses and throw the pork out your fridge and start keeping Friday night through Saturday night as your Sabbath. Is any of that other stuff necessary for salvation? 1 John 1, 9. One of my favorite verses to read at you constantly. What does it say? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let's see, does that say if we confess our sins to the priest, that the priest is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness? I, I don't think so. I don't think it says that anywhere in here. And it doesn't say anything about the rest of the sacraments. Okay, one other sacrament is the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. You have to take it weekly. It's a conveyance of grace. It carries grace with it. 
even if you're unworthy of the grace, it brings grace to you. Also, confirmation. Remember, you're baptized as a baby, right? At 13 or so, you have to go through a class where you confirm that you actually believe what was said and taught to you by the priest when you were growing up. Does it mean you live that way? No. Does it mean it's affected your life? No. Does it mean that you have actually confessed your sin and asked Christ into your life? No. You simply confirm that the teachings of the Catholic Church are true. Therefore, you're saved. Does that sound like anything in Scripture anywhere? I don't think so. Let's keep going. Marriage is a saving grace, gentlemen. Proof positive, your wife is a channel of blessing. If only you were Catholic. See, women, you could be the channel of blessing to your husband. Because when you get married in the church, it conveys that grace that brings you closer to God. And I thought that was kind of funny, so I'm going to use that at my next, at my next uh, wedding. I'm going to use that. Your wife is the channel of blessing. Then there's, there's two other ones. The last of which is my favorite, extreme unction. I used to work with a Catholic priest when we were uh, chaplains in a hospital, hospital chaplains. And we both got a call one night. We rushed out there, and this guy was dying. He'd been in an accident. He was dying. And they called me as the chaplain. They called Bob in. And Bob goes to lay the oil on him. And I'm going, Bob, what if he don't die? Bob looks at him as the doctor. Is he going to die? Oh yeah, he's going to die. Okay, slap, slap. Do you know why it's important to make sure the guy's going to die? Once the oil and the prayer is said for the dead, all sin is permanently removed from him, and he can no longer sin ever again. That's what Bob told me. That's what the Catholic Church teaches. Here's the problem. Sucker didn't die. <laughs> he lived. And it's, it's happened so many times, it's not even funny. This guy, good Catholic, he don't die. He wakes up, he's received the prayer for the dead, and he is totally sin-free. He can do anything he pleases, and according to Catholic teaching, he can never sin again. How nice would that be? Honestly, you know? How great would it be to say, you know what, I'm going to slab a little oil on you, and you'll never be guilty of sin again. No matter what you do, God cannot hold it against you because you got the oil on you. It's all good. And all of this stuff kills me because... If we have no authority in, solely, in only the Bible, and if we have no salvation apart from doing these works of men, where are we at? Go on to the next one. Mark 3, 28 through, through 29. I'm going to go back to Mark. That's a good passage. Now this is what it says in Mark. It says, Assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Aha! And now we get to the heart of everything we've been looking at. So this says, according to my, according to my scriptures, my unsanctified Baptist scriptures, that any sin I confess to Jesus with repentance in my heart, I can be forgiven of unless it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? These high priests, these chief priests, had accused Jesus of working a miracle by the power of Satan. They had blasphemed the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which was to confirm to them who the Messiah was. Their hearts had been hardened against Jesus to the point that they called the power of God the power of Satan, just to avoid coming under Jesus' authority. When we resist Jesus to the point that we say he's only a man, he's only a, a, a teacher, he, he died a long time ago, he never rose, that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit testifies in the church to us through the word who Jesus is. When we reject that, we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But if you're a Catholic, guys, here's the problem. Okay, I had one page for that whole thing on, on baptism, right? 
Now I got seven more pages on the two types of sins that there are in the Bible. Did y'all know there are two types of sins in the Bible? Last time I checked, it said sins. I mean, he says, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, right? Apparently not. Apparently there's two kinds of sins in the world. First is what's called mortal sin. Now get this one, people. A mortal sin is a grievous error that is of a serious matter. It is committed with the full knowledge of the sinner and is committed with deliberate consent of the sinner. That means you ain't possessed by a devil. Okay, anybody here in the last 30 years accidentally sin? Just checking. I'll make sure you know. Accidentally. You didn't know it was a sin. You didn't know what you were doing was wrong. Okay, there are occasions where that does happen. But what I'm saying is, they say that when you know it, it's a mortal sin. It's a grievous sin. Now get this. If you commit a grievous sin, such as saying anything bad about the Catholic Church, making jokes about the Pope, missing the Mass, rejecting the Eucharist, you know, the Lord's Supper, if you die before you confess that sin to a priest, you go to hell, even if Jesus has saved you. Understand this. If you commit one of these seven pages of sins before you can get to a priest, if you die before you get to a priest, you'll die and go to hell even though Jesus has saved you and you believe in him as Lord and Savior. You have John 3, 16 it. You have 1 John 1, 9 it, but you haven't 1 John 1, 9 to the priest. Isn't that interesting that you've got to go to a man to be forgiven? I think this is cool. Now we have also kind of what's called venial sins. Um, okay, venial sins, that is of a less serious nature. It does not cut us off from Christ, but it weakens our soul and may lead to a mortal sin. So that's why you have to repent of those venial sins. They're just not as serious, but they get you in trouble. Here are the big sins. Are you ready for this one? I was ready for these four. The voluntary murder of a human being. That's a, that's, that's, oof. That'll get you sent to hell unless you confess to a priest. Then it's okay. A sin of impurity against nature. That's a sodomy and homosexuality. Taking advantage of the poor. Y'all rip off the poor? Y'all gonna go to hell. That's it. That's all there is to it. Defrauding, hey, defrauding the workman of his wages. Nah, you shop owners, okay, if you're Ebenezer Scrooge, you don't, you don't pay your workers well. Mortal sin, going to hell. You better get to that priest in a hurry. Here's the capital sins. These are the big killers. Pride, avarice, envy, ooh, envy. Wrath, lust, gluttony, and being a slob. I mean slop. That sounds like a lot of people I know. Here's sacrilege. This is saying anything against the sacraments and the liturgical actions of the church. Not saying something against Jesus, but speaking against the church or the seven sacraments. That'll get you sent to hell. Blasphemy. Saying anything against the church and the saints and anything else that's sacred. If you walk by a statue of Mary and say, that's only a statue, slam, you're going to hell unless you get to that priest in a hurry. This is hysterical. Deliberate failure of going to church on Sundays. Deliberate failure of going to church on Sunday. So I'll use scripture on Sunday. Slam you going to hell. Unless you confess to me, get down and kiss my ring. Okay. Of course we knew that suicide was in there. Scandal. Drug abuse. Being fat. Oh, what's that? I'm going to skip that one. Prostitution, pornography, incest. I'll skip that last one. Y'all don't need to hear about that one. Here we go. This is the one that got me. Did y'all know that if you have relations mm -hmm, with your husband or wife and you enjoy it, that's a go to hell sin. Let me, let me read it to you. Let, no, let me read it to you. 
I did not believe, this is the teaching of the cat. He has the, the sighting marks. Here he goes. Lust is disordered desire for an inordinate enjoyment of sexual pleasure. It is disordered because sexual pleasure must not be isolated from its true natural place that is ordered to procreation of children and a unifying love between husband and wife. So you can't do it just because you enjoy it. It has to be to make babies or to unify your marriage. And I'm like, that's messed up. If you had a good time, you better run to the priest and tell him you enjoyed it. I don't mean to make light of the Catholic Church, because I do, but I mean, here we go. Here's the good news, y'all. Here's the good news. Okay. A person who repents of their sin, intends to live a new life of grace, and receives the sacrament of reconciliation, will be forgiven for all their sins, but mortal sins must be confessed within the official box. You have to go into the box and enter the sacrament of confession. Or mortal sins, like enjoying lovemaking, that can't be forgiven by simply talking to Father Bob. You gotta go in the box and confess. But the whole, bless me Father, for I've sinned, it's been 47 years since my last confession, <laughs> you know. But I mean, oof. Why do I say all this? Because you understand, we pick on Catholics a lot. We pick on men in dresses, bad collars, celibacy. What's up with that? We pick on everything from the incense swingers to the bad organ players to just the whole nature of the Catholic Church. But you know what? That's not what's wrong with the Catholic Church. It's not the music. It's not the way of dressing. It's not the liturgical thing of st stand up, sit down, kneel down, repeat 10 verses without the rosary, go through it 20 times to get God's grace. That's not what's wrong. What's wrong is these two issues. What is your authority and how are you saved? The Catholic Church has two authorities. And according to their own Bible, the traditions of the church as spoken by the Pope are completely binding upon the word of God because it comes from the same source. Now, do you know who has the power to change the beliefs of the Catholic Church? The Pope, when he sits in the chair of St. Peter, ex cathedra, from the chair, everything he says is the gospel of God and cannot be questioned. Who does that sound like to you? Sounds like the first president of the Mormon church to me. The living voice of God on earth. See, I have a problem with any authority that says, I can reinterpret the Bible because the days and the times have changed. I have a problem with authority when they say, you know what? My Bible says right here, the teachings of the apostolic fathers are equal to the scriptures. I have a problem with that. Because the Bible doesn't say that. It says all scripture is inspired by God. And what the Catholic Father says in Rome in 2009 ain't scripture. This is scripture. This is sealed. This cannot be changed. This came about really because I had chosen the question from the kids already. But Sunday, a lady visited our church for the first time. She just walked in the door, sat down, visiting the church, and she came to the new members class. I'm like, wow, that's good. One sermon in the new members class. Her husband's Catholic. So a couple of these issues actually do come up in the new members class because we talk about our beliefs. And, and, and a lot of people in our church have come from Catholic traditions. The Philippines is, is heavily Catholic. So even if you are not Catholic in the Philippines, you are affected by Catholic thinking and Catholic behavior. And the whole thing is, she did not realize that this is what her husband believes. Here's the other thing. 95% of Catholics don't know what the Bible says either. They've never read this stuff. They don't know 
that by simply avoiding church on Sunday, they've committed a mortal sin that they have to go and confess before they can be forgiven and enter heaven. Think about this. If you don't know what the Bible says, what the church teaches, how do you know if you're living among heretics or not? And the authority question isn't the only question. The other question is this, salvation. To my way of reading the scriptures that we've looked at tonight, from 1 John 1, 9 to Mark, everything else, when you go before God the Father, you repent of your sins, you confess your sins to God the Father. It says that if we sin, we have an advocate, and it ain't a priest. It is Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, acting as our advocate, seeking to cover our sins in his blood. And when you say that a man or any man has the authority to pronounce me forgiven in God's name, that's heresy. That's insanity. Because that has nothing to do with this word. The whole reason I drug all this out is I wanted you to realize that it's not just the music and the, and the way that the officiating official dresses that make us different than Catholics. There's a fundamental question of authority and salvation. But let's answer the question this kid asked. What's the difference between us? Simple. You can be a Christian and go to a Catholic church. Yes, you can. You can be a born-again believer and you can go to a Catholic church if you have an understanding of what you're being taught and you're in the Word and you accept only the authority of Christ and not a man over you. I know people that go to Catholic church because their spouse does and they do it out of respect or they enjoy the liturgy, they enjoy the way everything is done. You can be a Christian in a Catholic church, but you can be an unsaved, unregenerate, unborn again person and be an active, full participant in the Catholic church. That's the difference. You cannot be just Catholic because it's not enough to be baptized as a baby. It's not enough to go through confirmation. It's not enough to say the words and do the rosary and affirm the priest and confess your sins to him. You have to genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So if someone says they're Catholic, I say, great, tell me about your salvation experience. And they'll tell me about their baptism as a baby, they'll tell me about their confirmation, and the last time they went to Mass and took the Eucharist. And I say, now wait a second, that's great church. Tell me about your salvation experience. And seven times out of eight, that person has no genuine salvation experience. They have never repented of their sin. They've never come to Christ. They've never confessed their sin. Just like in this church, when you join TFBC, uh, Pastor Moon's been doing it for 29 years. There's a new members class. And the whole first day of that class is nothing but making sure you have had a genuine born-again experience with Jesus Christ. It's critical. And it's why no matter what service we're in, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, you want to put it out there that if you don't understand this, it's because you don't have a saving relationship. Then you've committed the only mortal sin that there is, which is the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's just think as mortal sins. Let's just think as venial sins. You will be glad to know that in the Catholic Church, though, they've got the whole baby thing taken care of. As long as the baby's baptized, he's, he shoots straight to heaven. If your child is, is, is mentally challenged, get them baptized, shoot straight to heaven. They don't even have to do the other ones. They can do the first one and skip the other six, and they still go straight to heaven. Because where does salvation come from? In the scriptures, where is salvation from? Jesus Christ. In the Roman Catholic Church, salvation is of the church. See here, it says right here, these are the signs of Christ's work, the effectiveness of Christ's administration in his church. He doesn't mean in the people. He means in the structure of the church. 
in, in the hierarchy of the church. Salvation is in the priests and the archbishops, in the bishops, and in the pope. They are, they are salvation. They are the channel of salvation. And our salvation is dependent upon them. So for us, who are outside the Catholic Church, we cannot be saved because we have committed blasphemy by rejecting the Pope and rejecting the teachings of the Church. So it, it's, it's pretty much a cut and clear dry thing. I say you can be a Christian and go to a Catholic Church, but if all you are is Catholic, you ain't got a prayer because you're depending upon your works to save you and not upon Jesus Christ to save you. So, um, so what do we say now? We all belong to the Catholic Church. We do. We are all part of the Church Catholic by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we say that? Everyone who believes in Christ is part of that universal church, that small c Catholic word. That faith is what saves us and not religious activity. Not coming to Wednesday nights, not coming to early bird, not tithing. None of that stuff adds to your salvation or ensures it. Jesus took care of that at the cross. Finally, my salvation cannot be taken away from me by my sin. If I lose my temper tonight and I say a few choice words in the parking lot and, and I don't get to the Catholic Church and confess to the priest before I get into a car accident and die, I'm still going to heaven. Amen. Of course, if I live, I'm going to catch it on earth. But I mean, you know, it's, for me, it's terrifying that a Catholic could live their whole life in fear every day of their life. How can you live in fear knowing that any mortal sin, and there's seven pages of them, any mortal sin will separate you from Christ until you get to the priest and have that connection reconnected. That is terrifying to me. Let's pray and we'll get you guys out of here. Thank you for joining us today in the archives. I am your host, Richard Stidham. Remember that we are a listener-supported ministry here, and if you would like to contribute in any way to keeping this message on the air, you can send any gifts to Richard Stidham, 1321 Baytown, Texas, 77521. That's P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. God bless and we'll see you again in the archives.